This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Just check everybody can hear us all right, Paul. So we can get going on that. Right, where were we probably shout-outs? Yep. Uh, right, well, just uh, just the usual shout-outs, Paul, uh, Richie, AGG, Tim Alloy, Malika, Ben, Bobby Sutherland, uh, I saw, I was watching, do you know who Darren G is, Paul? Mm-hmm. I, I, was watch, I was watching a stream with him the other day and that Bobby Sutherland popped up and he seems he seems to get his way about YouTube, the guy, see, fair news, I've spotted him in streams quite, quite regular, uh, that's us, we're up at 499, uh, 505 subs, we it, Brilliant! I think that's fantastic. Thanks very much to everybody that subscribes and listens in and joins us in the live chat. Uh, I hope, we've, as I said the other in the last podcast, we've bought new mics for me and Paul, so hopefully that will help really quality the sound. So if there's any problems with it, don't be shy. Just let us know what's going on. So try and get it sorted out. Uh, I think that's about it, Paul. Isn't that? Celtic defender Craig Taylor is in talks with Celtic over a new contract, which will see him. Receive improved wages and extended stay at Celtic. Some fans have expressed their anger towards the deal, as they said Celtic should be looking at a new left back instead of extending his one. Former Celtic striker Patrick Camilla said he came pissed off at life at Celtic because of former Celtic manager Neil Lennon. Patrick said he spoke to Neil on a few occasions, and Neil told him that he wanted to improve on certain aspects of the game. Patrick said he walked hard on training, did everything Neil Lennon asked him for, but still found game time hard to come under his former boss. Former Celtic player Thomas Grafson has given his commission from Open Goal event to the Celtic Foundation and said he has very fond memories of Celtic and Celtic fans will always remain in his heart. Are the rumours true or are the rumours fault that Southampton are looking to table a bit for Celtic striker Kyogo Fogorashi? The big question is, will Celtic sell if so? Hampton come in a bit, but it's only October, so we'll have him for at least another couple of months. I <laughs> <laughs> can't play for another team this season. No, because it's three teams he played for uh, because the Japanese aye. league was already open, wasn't it? Aye, so and Celtic just, signed him. Aye, it's a lot of rubbish. Mm. I, don't uh, know, well, I don't know about that with Greg Taylor, Paul. I mean, did you know I've backed him up often enough on the forum and on here, but I just don't think he can handle playing the way Ange wants him to play. Going back to Mark Wheely, they're probably just saving their skin, not signing someone else, I said it. They've already signed the boy Scales. Scales. Scales, we have Montgomery there. They're playing Montgomery there. Juranovic can play over on the left. Yeah. Yeah. 
look for something a little bit different because tonight's is going to be about the SPL show, so we'll have a little bit of SPL news. SPL fans will be able to travel to support their clubs on away days as the SPL and Scottish government have relaxed restrictions on red zones. Football is going to go back to the days before COVID pandemic hit the world. Uh, former Dundee, Dundee United youngster Harry Sutter, who now plays for Stoke City in the Championships, uh, is being linked with a move for Tottenham or Tottenham and Everton. Uh, at the, at the moment, the four teams have been scouting the player, and the, and he is valued at twenty million pounds. We will talk to Jonas if Dundee have any kind of a, a, a clause that they will receive a payment if any such deal goes through. Hibernian FC have uh, applied and failed for Petor's red card he received at the weekend against Rangers. Uh, Aberdeen manager Stephen Glass has said that life. Life in management with Aberdeen hasn't been easy, and he's found it pretty rough recently at the Aberdeen. At Aberdeen, that's all for the SPL. Uh, Mark will now bring the lads, uh, Jonas and Michael, if they're there, Mark. I'll go and get Jonas. I don't know if Mikey's actually made it home yet, but I'll go and get Jonas on. Did you, did you just see that it just came out today that uh, Petorius is. All right, lads. All right, Jonas. Thanks very much for coming on again, Jonas. Cheers for having me again, lads. Thank oh, you. No bother. Jonas, were you surprised or not surprised that Petorik's uh, appeal was, uh, was was thrown out? I actually wasn't surprised because if, um, I actually thought it was a red card. The reason I thought it was a red card was he was over the top of the ball. So his leg actually goes over the ball. And he only gets the ball with his follow through it, sort of off his off his like sort of thigh or the inside of his leg. And if he'd connected that high, he's he's about halfway up the lad's leg. So I actually thought that was a red card, if I'm being honest with you. So I I don't see any reason for them to have overturned that decision, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, your former youngster Harry Susie Jonas is being linked with Tottenham and Everton at the moment. Do you have any clause in that that you might receive any payment or? Anything like that? Well, it's funny I actually mentioned that because there's been sort of loads of talk from the United sort of side of Twitter regarding the um, that. And there's been various speculation on if there is a sell-on clause and how much it is. But I believe that there is a clause, but I have no idea. It could be anything between 10 to 20%. But if there is a clause, then I think it's good business from us. Yeah, it's exactly like for... For youngster going from from Dundee United, and I know being valued at twenty million mark, you know, if oh, there's any clause, there's it's actually good business for for Dundee United. Didn't in fairness, oh, it really is. I, I didn't actually know that he had been at Celtic. I can remember him at Dundee United, but I can't really remember him being at Celtic. Obviously, he's been a youth player, but and internet made it as if it was like another another Andy Robertson kinda. Didn't the day for what I was reading, that's about it was another one that got away face kinda thing. But players need to. <laughs> Sometimes players need to move to progress. Even young players, mm-hmm. we've seen that we've seen it with Andy Robertson. They need to move on sometimes just to be to be playing games. But a good luck to the guy, and I hope Dundee United have got a cause to get a good few quid out of it. Before we start with the show, let me just take a look at the table. So, Rangers are first, uh, 19 points. Then we have Hearts, 18. Hibs are 15 points. Uh, 
fourth we have Motherwell at 14 points. Uh, Dundee United are fifth with 15 points. Uh, Celtic, unfortunately, are sixth with uh, 13 points. St. Mary, 10 points or seventh. Uh, eighth, we have St. Johnston on uh, nine points. Aberdeen uh, sits in ninth with eight points. We have Lindston, 10th on four points. Uh, Deroni went came against uh, Celtic. Uh, Ross County, 11th, we have three points. And Dundee's local... Uh, Jonas's local rivals Dundee are last with, with three points. Uh, looking at the, the league table, we'll we start with, uh, with Celtic first. Uh, look, their first game was Ross County. Uh, we won 3-0 in the 11th of September. Livingston beat us 1-0 on the, the 19th of September. Uh, we drew with Dundee United 1-0 on the 26th of September. Uh, the Scottish League Cup. Uh, we beat Rovers 3-0, 23rd, and the Europa League, we got beaten by Real Batiste 4-3 on the 16th, and Burn Leverkusen 4-0 on the 30th. It's been a tough month, Mark, to, to say the least, for Ange and, and his Celtic team, hasn't it? The month of September, it hasn't been plain sailing, has it? No, we're ups and downs there, I think we have been the European results, especially, were a bit hard to take, but especially the Betis game when we were Two nothing up, and we should have been on to get something out of that. I think we really should have, but again, it's just down to our inconsistencies in the league, Paul. And mm-hmm. player teams coming, teams that are playing is doing their job, doing their job well. You get, I mean, we've moaning about Livingston that, but they said they what they set out to do, they done it. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think because the the, the sort of the, the biggest can rebuild that, that myself and Mark can remember anyway since Martin Eel days and stuff like that. Do you think maybe European football is, is too much that there's too many games for this Celtic team in in, in the weeks? Uh, it's probably something to do with the fact as well that if you lose a couple of your bigger players these are quite stretched. You've probably got a good, like, you know, on paper your first 11 when everybody's fully fit mm-hmm. as a team capable of winning like games against reasonable quality opponents but once you take a hit of three, four, five bodies out of that first 11, it becomes very difficult. And if you're having to play European football along with league football and then, you know, games come in quick, six, uh, sort of quick succession and like you say, you have got injuries, then it's certainly a stretch because I don't think you've got the strength and depth to say that the guys coming off the bench are as good as what would be on the starting 11. Yeah, that does seem to be the main problem, Mark. What we always says there, the lads who... Are on the bench at the moment aren't really better on the starting eleven that's there in this. Well, I think the bench at the weekend. I think if everybody was fitting up to speed, I think that's a better, a better bench, a better quality bench, and gives us more options. So I think I think the players once they're all fitting up to up to speed and up to their sharpness, I think it it will be there will be a lot of competition for places, and it will look better when players are only playing well. There is decent enough players to come come in and cover for them. But, mm-hmm. but injuries and that really took its toll on us, really, didn't And especially for it being a player like Kyogo and McGregor, two of our most important players getting out injured, it was a bit of a nasty just kind of have somebody else sitting there ready to replace them. But, I mean, we've spoke about a Yeti coming on rather than uh, Jacko, but obviously, again, it's down to fitness. So a few weeks' time after the international break, it would be Jacko that's coming on, which is what we've been. Do you get what I mean? With, with James, a fit James McCarthy on the bench, things like that. Liam Scales will be up to speed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'd be 
you, you probably don't read like that. I, I kind of looks at everything when, when we're prepared for the podcast, but there was one thing that caught my eye with yourself uh, uh, during, during the week. Uh, you put out on the Twitter. Uh, there, there was a question there, what's your football pet peeve? You said fullbacks who can't uh, fullbacks who can't defend. It's modern football. Get with the times. Nah, your job is fullback, defend first, attack second. We've been saying with Andrew's system, with this thing that he calls it inverted fullbacks, that they come in to receive the ball, there's an open space. As an outside Jonas, do you think that's really a weakness for Celtic at the moment that we don't have the players properly to, to fit Andrew's system for us? Well, like you say, I mean, those kind of systems, I'm not saying that, like, that tweet probably come across in the sense that I said that fullback should should never cross the halfway line, and that wasn't what I was insinuating. Oh yeah, I know that. I, I, I was defend, defend first is the, is the main thing. Like, exactly, because I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, if someone turns around and says, "Ah, oh, well, my fullback got an assist today, but he's got bait three one, then he's not done his job, is he? Because mm-hmm. he's have conceded three uh, goals." That's why I've, so, that's why I've stuck up for Montgomery for so long as well, to be honest, because for me, he's a decent enough defender. And that's mm. what I'm like. You, I think that's the first, the first job any defenders is to defend. Mm. No, well, that's my opinion as well. And like you, like what you said there. Uh, me and Mikey were speaking about it. I think it was on after the Aberdeen game, and he said that he goes, yeah, some good players at the side, but not the personnel to maybe play the way that he wants. But I don't. I've not seen enough of the fullbacks that you've got to see if if they, they should play in that inverted fullback role. But if you are going to play a system like that, then you've got to have top class players that can go both ways yeah, and are as, go as good ways. going back the ways as, as they are going forward because if it takes like I don't know like Man City or Liverpool but like Kyle Walker or Trent Alexander-Arnold or something I know like they're obviously at a higher level but it's still an example they can do both jobs you know what I mean and they can yeah, get back and, you honest yeah Andy Robertson when he plays for Liverpool obviously maybe not so much for Scotland because he plays with lesser quality when he plays for Scotland but if you look at him in that system he does both sides of the job well. Because, mm-hmm. Mark, it's true what you always says, Derek, that the, the problem is with us is like when we're playing that for more uh, formation and Ange kind of won't change it. It's his philosophy. He likes that's That's where he plays. But without really Ivanovic, the system doesn't work, does it? No, yeah. no. We, we've it's seen no, it. It's no, no longer for me, Paul. In I've, video games with Madison, it does. It's not working, Mark. So it's not. As I've said to you before, Paul. I'm not actually. You've had to explain it to me. I'm not actually sure what it is meant to do when it does work. To be honest with you, I just I think it's a bit pointless to. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's tinkering with something that you don't really, you shouldn't really tinker with. For unless you're at a level like your Guardiola and Cotton people like that, you get that. It's no. It's, it's, it's certainly not working for Celtic. So either Ange needs to change it, or we need to we need to be a vast improvement in the players that he's got there to, to be able to do mm-hmm. the job. Because when I was when when we first saw it, I remember Ange came out and it, it was John pre-season and and he said that the players were doing too much thinking about their positioning rather than what they should be doing in the game. And I still think that's happening, Mark. I still, I'm still thinking that maybe Radisson and, and Montgomery, whoever's playing, are thinking too much to, to get in that position. And, and they're not concentrating, really, because we've seen Radisson in, in the last couple of days, Mark. He's, he hasn't been up to scratch when, when, when he first came onto the scene with us this season. Like he seems to be 
maybe slipped back a bit, you know, so I'm thinking, are, are they maybe thinking too much again about their positioning? You know, I mean, I, 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 I really, as he said, they're like, but that comes down to Ange for me as well, Paul. Yeah. It's what he, for me, the players go and do what the manager tells them to do. So if he's telling them, right, I want you to do this, but the player knows himself he's still meant to be a right back and a left back. So they're, going, they're maybe they're a bit confused about what they're actually meant to be mm-hmm. doing. So up to Ange to make it clear and clear to them exactly what, exactly what he's expecting for his players. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like, I suppose, look, the the big result for you with Celtic and, and, and we spoke to you after the, the, the podcast was uh, Dundee United nice getting uh, the, the one-all jaw at a, a parkhead you know, he had your chances to win that game as well Celtic had their chances to win that, that game but at the, end, at the end of the day it was a draw and, and that was a good result for, for yourself at, at Celtic Park Oh yeah absolutely and um, like I said to you I think it was when we spoke about that after the match um, I think our record something like one, three wins in 111 games and I don't know how many times we've picked up points but it's just a bonus point for us if we get anything at those sort of venues in Glasgow so I mean yeah like you obviously there was a chance as you said I think three or four times off the bar and there was an open goal in that miss but we did have a few chances on the counter attack as well so if you'd offered me a point before the game I would have bit your hand off like you know Kick it back Anyone could have taken points that game. The, 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 the Dundee United game said the game was, you only said there, we had our chance, we hit the post, and you had a given day they could have went in, but they didn't. But uh, it was a bonus as well for, for, for Dundee to have a Seagulls back and goal. I think we saw, Mark, how, how actually good 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 goalkeeper that he is. Oh, yeah, <coughs> pardon me, he is a good keeper. I said it was only when <coughs> Mikey and Jonas started speaking about him. But I've, a, I've seen him a good few times now, and the mayor I see him, the mayor I'm really quite impressed with him. And <coughs> uh, as I said, the young centre back at Kerr, Kerr Smith, is that the young? Yeah, Kerr Smith. I, yeah. I was really impressed with him as well, and that Fuchs in the midfield. I think <coughs> I think he's a great player. I really do. I'd love Celtic to go and sign him if they can't get Lewis Ferguson. I'd take that Fuchs. No, no problem. I know Jonas doesn't want to sell his best players to Celtic, but I really that Fuchs is, is he's a standard above the rest of Scotland. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? He's in the top bracket of Scottish football players, you know, I think, Jonas. Yeah, no, definitely. And the thing is, the contract situation with him is I think he's out of contract in um I think it's in the summer, like twenty twenty two. So it's one of those situations where I don't know if he could probably sign pre-contracts already in January, or I don't know if he's actually contracted. It might be January 2023 because he signed in like October 2020. Uh, so I'm not sure what his contract situation was. Was it two years to the summer? Is it? It that, might be. See, that's I've had this before, and I'm convinced that the contracts need to end at the end of a season. Nah, because sometimes people sign 18 months deals where their contracts end in January, but no, the thing but is... No, Jonas, I don't think they do. No? No, because we've, we've had this out for... This has been going on for years, you know, on the forum and everything. Because uh, even, like, Ed, Ed O2, who is I know, really, really high up with things like that, and he's he keeps saying to me as well, no, contract, that's why if you sign a player in January, he'll sign, like, a three-and-a-half-year deal. Yeah. Because, so the contract ends up... In, uh, ends up in the summer 
He's a, yeah. Who was it there? Christie as well. For me, he signed his, uh, his the last extension he signed was in December. And I think people right, okay. took it for then, so he signed in December. But as far as I know, all contracts need to end like at the end of your season, which is the summer for us or the winter if you're summer football leagues. Yeah. No, that's fair enough then, mate. But I think, and what you said there was, I think Michael said to me as well, obviously, after seeing Fuchs play last year, because he watched a couple of games with me last year when obviously stadiums were closed, but even when United were on the TV, and he said that, that Fuchs stood out a mile and he'd, he'd like to see you boys going for him and stuff. And like I said, he, he called that quite early doors. But I think the thing is, when you said there, you don't want to be selling your best players to sell it. I don't really want to see anybody from my club go to a rival club in the same country, you know what I mean? Because you don't want your players mm-hmm. coming back and playing against you. So if, if he was to, he's going to leave, obviously, United, I'd rather he went down south or abroad so that he's not directly in competition with us. But that's not anything to do with selling. That would be the same if it was Aberdeen or Hibs or Hearts or Rangers or anybody, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. You don't really want your best players going to a rival club in your league. You know, unless it's Cedric Gifty. <laughs> no, Gifty. Yeah. Gifty. Uh, Mark, what it, uh, one of our losses uh, in September, and it's really coming a, a bogey team for for Celtic in, in recent years uh, away f- away from home is Livingston uh, due to the the pitch. Uh, Celtic seem to just can't play on on artificial surfaces, but. We haven't got a win, uh, as I think is it since God, uh, Gordon Strachan's time. Uh, I think was, was Gordon uh, Strachan. Uh, just yeah. the pitch plays a big part in that as well. But I mean, I don't know, Jonas. How what kind of records done do United go against Livingston on that? Uh, no, we've got a pretty. I don't. <laughs> we lost there last season. Um, I can't remember what the other score was. I know we got beat two 0 but that's when we had like we had ten boys out with COVID at the time. So mm-hmm. we were playing during that. We had a COVID outbreak when, and Tam Courts actually our manager now, um, was in the dugout because Mickey Mellon and Stevie Frail were both self isolating as well. So we were in turmoil when we went there the first time. We beat them at home. I can't remember what the score was the second time that we played there, but. Just going on the plastic pitches, we had a pretty poor record on plastic pitches in the championship anyway. We never beat Aloha in like three or four seasons in that division. We, we beat Kimini the South a couple of times, but also took a 4 nothing. So we've got a pretty indifferent record on plastic, and it's certainly probably worse than it is better. So do you, I, I do agree with you. Do you think it affects the, affects the teams that have gone there to play, Jonas? Absolutely, because, well, if you think about it, right, the way the ball rolls on grass the way it bounces on grass, the speed it moves, even things like, a lot of the time you'll find that those teams that have got those artificial pitches don't have a dedicated training centre. They train on that mm-hmm. every day. So, okay, what we do is we, if they're playing a team with a plastic pitch, we maybe train on an artificial pitch that week, but they're playing on it every single right. day. You know what I mean? So I think it's, it's got to have an advantage, you know? Like they have, totally. they, they be able to judge the bounce of the ball and everything, and, and the speed of the ball. Like they're, if, they're, you know, if they're training on it, see if you're playing golf ball, if you're a half decent mm. golf player, and you're playing the same course over and over and over again, you're going to get better on that course. Do you get what I mean? Your score on that course and your performance on that course is going to get better. So for the players to be training on that every day, playing all their home games on it, of course it gives them an advantage of opposition teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, just just moving into the the, the Europa League. Look, 
Uh, I think Real Betis was was a very good game. Look, we scored early at uh, 2-0, but then leaky defence. Uh, there was kind of a leaky defence as well against Bayern Leverkusen where we lost 4-0 at them. But there were two games that uh, really the result didn't reflect on on, on Celtic's performance, weren't they? Well, the first three game, you can say that we, we maybe did get what we deserved out of that. Do you know what I mean? We should have thrown away a two-goal lead as, as easy as we did, but I mean, 4 3, we've, we've put a good account of ourselves forward. But, and I think mm-hmm. we, against a, an opposition at the level, the level of Leverkusen, I think we put a decent performance in ourselves. Again, Paul, it was doing to individual mistakes like Turnbull, the Turnbull mistake, and things like that. It's just schoolboy error kind of stuff. And that's. But the, the, as you said, Paul, the 4 four, line, four nothing scoreline, it didn't represent the game. If you'd said Celtic could beat 4 nothing. You're expecting them to be constantly getting overrun, and for me, they weren't constantly overrun. They did give a good account of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I move on from Celtic. I I, I move on to um, Dundee United uh, results for for September. Uh, Saint Mirren uh, on, on the 11th of September. You it was nil uh, nil. Uh, the 19th of September was Dundee United 1, Dundee nil. Uh, 26th, as we just spoke about, uh, Celtic 1, Dundee United 1. Uh, the League Cup on the 23rd of September, Dundee United 1, uh, Hibs 3. I, 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 to be honest, I believe that Hibs is Dundee United's uh, bogey team, you said. Hi, well, they seem to have had the Indian ah. sign on. They seem to have had the Indian sign on us for the last wee while, so. Um, to be fair, though, Hibs are they, they, they have had a good start to the season. The the season, though, Hibs they, they they look much stronger than they were last season. You honest, don't they? Yeah, I think they're finding a wee bit of more consistency and stuff like that. And I think what I will say is about the Hibs games that we had this season in the cup was we were up, we were obviously 3-0 down at half-time, but two of them were due to two horrendous refereeing decisions. So, mm-hmm. although it looked 3-1, it looked like a pretty comfortable win. It was We had a goal disallowed for offside and a penalty given against us that shouldn't have counted. So, I mean, realistically, it should have only been 2-1 and we would have been right back in the game or even 3-2. So, I'm not buying into the fact that like we were massively outplayed that day. But like you say, yeah, the Hibs have seemed to have started the season really well. Mm-hmm. Uh- Dropping points. What what was it? Dropping points uh, for yourselves, Jonas at Saint Mirren. Nin Nin. Should you be kind of beating the teams, kind of down yeah. down low, Jonas? Well, the, the thing is, in the first half, we had enough chances to probably win three games because mm-hmm. we missed a couple of really big opportunities. Mark McNulty missed a one-on-one clean through, hit the outside of the post, and things like that. So, I mean, Saint Mirren had a couple of chances in the second half, and it was a wee bit more even. And Carson produced a great save in the last 10 minutes to probably stop then snatching the three points. But I was a little disappointed about that because those are the sort of teams that you target three points against, you know, especially with the way we played, you know, because see if we'd been pretty poor and we'd, it was back to the wall, you'd accept the draw. But the chances were missed. I'm disappointed that we didn't win the game. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose, Mark, that's the, the, the kind of biggest thing for for yours and looks on your side I hope you don't think I, I've been big headed here but yeah Dundee United Max should be getting the, as many points as they can uh, against the teams in and around them kind of beat the team that Dundee United is they should be beating the the, the teams below uh, and any points as, as you always said will go that they get in the 
in Glasgow is a bonus. Look, they, they already beat Rangers Mark, uh, this season. They, they drew against Celtic, like so. They've got four points already over the Glasgow Glasgow teams. Uh, so it's been it hasn't been a bad September Mark and, and, and season so far for Dundee United, has it? No, I think even Joan associates quite hard. Well, maybe he'll be upset with the odd result and things like that. But I think overall he'll be pretty happy with where they're sitting in the league and the points that they've amassed, considering that they've, they've played Celtic Rangers and we're only what, eight games into the season. Uh, Rangers was at home, Jonas, weren't they? You played that, that, that was a home game for yourselves, weren't it? That was a home, weren't it? Yeah, it was I. So it was the first time that we'd been allowed back into the stadiums, but it was still under restrictions. So I think we had the local council granted us something like 4,800, which was enough to accommodate all our season ticket holders. So there's no away fans, and it was like spread across three stands. You know what I mean? But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was so. Obviously, there was no Rangers supporters there, and but the crowd Apart on the Chris TV. Boyd. Uh, well, I uh, actually yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> I uh, know he he was getting a wee bit of stick as well, but the thing is as well, I think when boys were saying on the TV and even the local radio journalists and the newspaper journalists that were at the match said that it sounded like there was ten thousand United fans there, so we created a good atmosphere, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, sorry, just get to get where I was there. Uh, your local derby, honest. Uh, they, they beat Dundee Dice's rivals, but they're also your, your neighbours uh, just across the road, is what you were telling me the last time. So that was a, a good win for you as well, because with Dundee just coming up, you already been in the league for, for, for a season. It was important to, to, to beat your rivals in the first game of the season, wasn't it? Well, the thing is, as well, it's important for me to beat the rivals because then I've got to go into the merchants and work for work until January with them. <laughs> <laughs> <So, laughs> for my own own sanity as well. But no, nah, it was. And the thing is, as well, the Derby's one of those games where even though Dundee haven't won a game, anything could happen. And to be fair, on that day, we had a couple of we, you know, had they had a couple of cleared off the line and things like that, and they had chances. So it was a close game. But like you say, it's always important to like sort of beat your rivals to sort of, you know, stamp your authority on who the top, the big team is in the, the city. And also just for, at the end of the day as well, you can dress up however you want. It's still just another three points. You don't get six points for beating your rivals. It's still another three points on the board, regardless of whether it's against Dundee or anybody else. September, you're honest, you're, 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 sit, you're sitting fifth. Uh, it's, it's practically more than halfway. And, you must be quite happy with the, the start that 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 you've uh, made this season, Dundee United. Just the, the brand of football you're playing. It's 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 uh, it's what the fans want. You're you're going. You're moving forward. You're not sitting back. The team that that you were last season when when you should be attacking them and, and stuff like that. No, absolutely. And I think what most supporters have been the most like happy about with us this season it's a brand of football that everybody's enjoying watching again mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's not this turgid backs to the wall we must not lose attitude and like trying to nick a set piece or something and 11 men behind the ball and that it's just it's just better to watch it's on the front foot it's high press and high intensity keep the ball moving you know it's it's just what you want to see when you go and watch your team play you know you want to see them having a go and we're playing with two strikers and things like that. It's just, it's night and day. And like I say, I'm actually probably thinking we're a wee bit ahead of where I was probably expecting us to be mm-hmm. because we had a really tough start. So if someone had said to me, you'd be 5th in September, I'd have bitten your hand off. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, because like I've been reading press reports that when we spoke to you at the start of the season, you were saying it is it going to walk out? Is it a risk? But because he came through the the youth of it, but with, with with the system mark that that, that we know that Dundee United have, it, it was a risk so far worth taking, Mark, hasn't it? With Coach Coven coming in as manager, oh, it looks as if it's been off for them big time for me really because they're just going to get better as well I think and just as Jonas is saying there I mean we're I mean just Celtic fans we're used to teams coming and parking the bus and trying to just even sneak it as you said Jonas sort of a set piece or even a nothing nothing some of them have delighted with but mm-hmm. I mean Dundee United came they came at us and see if they're playing against that against these teams that are like running about them in the league they'll, they'll beat they'll over these teams will Open them up to Dundee United and Dundee United will punish them. Because they, these teams don't turn, I mean, uh, Motherwell playing, Motherwell's not going to turn up at Dundee United and play 10 men behind the ball because they'll fancy their chances. They know probably, but they'll learn because Dundee United will hurt these teams when they take them, especially at their home ground. They'll hurt these teams that come and try and play Dundee United at football. Uh, Jonas, one of one of the live chat there saying that Dundee United have always been a good football team. They just need an out and out striker. Uh, would you agree that G lack kind of an out and out striker, Jonas? Yeah, the thing is as well, we've got like obviously Nicky Clark and Mark McNulty who are capable of getting goals, but none of them have got a competitive goal this season. And we made a signing today. We've just signed the boy Maxime uh, Barman. Yeah, Maxime Barman. Yeah. Yeah, for Coventry City. Uh, because and he's a big sort of physical striker, which is what we lacked anyway—a presence at the top end of the pitch, someone that could hold the ball up. Because McNulty and Clark are both quite similar; they're not the biggest, and they're more sort of technical. This guy's obviously got a bit of a build about him, a bit of aggression, a bit of physicality. So hopefully, we'll have the ball as well, and the yeah. players around him. Correct. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, you, like that's exactly what I was looking for there—like the hold up, bring boys in. So hopefully. McNulty's now having a hand, an operation on his hamstring, so he could be out for months anyway. So with Nicky Clark, hopefully the, the lad Barmu and him can work up a partnership where Nicky Clark can get the knockdowns and get a wee bit more of the ball in and around the box. So yeah, the, the, obviously what's been said in the chat spot on. If we get if we get a prolific goal scorer, then we're not having to have a heart attack last ten minutes every week because this one nil. I think it's going to finish me off. I can't deal with five minutes of stoppage time every week at one nil, like you know. <laughs> And were you a bit disappointed, Jonas, uh, getting out of the League Cup, or would you be far to be out today? D- d- maybe the Cups and, and concentrate the league and progress higher up the league? I think the Cups, for the clubs like United, and that, they're our best chance of winning anything. So mm-hmm. I was disappointed because we're not going to win the league, let's be honest, unless there's a freak season where like someone does a Leicester City or something like mm-hmm. that. But um, yeah, I was disappointed. I was more disappointed in the manner of how we went out as well because of the refereeing decisions and not so much the fact that it was a poor performance from I, us. I, I actually remember then when, when it happened, those decisions, and, and we were just looking at them. I remember you, Mark texted me in Skype and he showed me things. And, Christ, they were horrendous uh, refereeing decisions, right? When I, when, I, when I think back to them, you're honest. You know? Oh, I mean, the, the, the thing is, we've talked about this still we're blue in the face, but I think the problem I've got is the fact that they, were, they weren't even difficult decisions you know it wasn't like there were controversial decisions in the sense where the referee didn't get a good view of the incident or it was I mean the penalty was just guesswork like Colin was looking through about seven or eight bodies and didn't and just saw someone hit the deck and pointed to the spot and then the linesman is not even in, in line with the play 
and can't see that the lad's three yards onside. So it's just, it's, I think it's, it's, it's how bad the decisions are that have riled me more than the fact that they went against us. Because you do obviously get decisions against you. It's football, but it's because, when it's blatant decisions like that that cost a team like ourselves a chance at a semi-final, it, it, it's massive for us, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing, Mark, that I, I, I've noticed about about Dundee United is that they've two, and I would say, quality keepers in Carson and, and Seegers. Uh, like he obviously was it going to see signed Carson because maybe he thought Seegers was going, and now you've ended up with two keepers that 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 to me like could be either one could be number one at, at the moment for you. you know? Yeah, well, yeah, I think everybody, I think. Carson was signed as a number one mm-hmm. and the, the assumption that Seagrass would be going and then when that never happened I think Benji picked up an injury yeah and, uh, for, and that and he was out for uh, so th- that was the like the last I think week of the transfer window so nobody was going to come in and risk signing him then and it's turned out that it's worked out that we've got two quality goalkeepers now so I'm not complaining about it but I think the idea was definitely that Carson was brought in as stepping as number one but it's good as well, you because know, like you saw a lot of troubles last season with, with, with goalkeepers, and we we have signed Joe Hart there, who who who's been amazing since he's came in to experience. But it just shows like that having two goalkeepers is keeping each other on their toes. You know, it's 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 like if I make a mistake here, like Carson's going to jump into my spot straight away. Like you know, they're they're challenging for each other, aren't they? You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like. Because if you're just guaranteed the game every week, even if you throw a couple in the net, it doesn't give out the best signal. But if you've got someone that's pushing you all the way, then it brings out the best in you, in you as your performance as well, knowing that there's competition for places. I think every successful football club, there is competition for places. Mm-hmm. Mark, do you want to come in there? Because they, they have two quality uh, people. I'm just going to say, Jonas, Jonas, do you think that they'll keep the two of them between uh, the January window shut? I think, no, nah, it's doubtful. I think Benji will probably be away come January because I think his contract's up in the summer, so this will be the last opportunity for us to get oh, any right. money for him. Get any um, kind of money for him. Yeah, because what will probably happen if he does agree a pre-contract, the club that he's going to might say, right, we'll pay you a, a, a nominal fee so that we can get him early, rather than him being at United knowing that he's away. Because I'm always a fan of the person... I, I'm not a fan of someone that's leaving the club, playing the yes. last six months, because... It doesn't matter how much they claim that their heart's in it. They're always going to be subconsciously maybe trying to avoid injury or mm-hmm. not giving a hundred hundred percent. So I would rather if you're going to be there, you're there and you play. But if you've signed a contract to go elsewhere, I'd rather the club's game an agreement and said you can either loan them to us till the end of the season and he moves there permanently or pay a nominal transfer fee and you can have them in January. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, George, know, because like you said, Derek. His heart, uh, his heart isn't in the club anymore if he wants to leave. And he made his decision that he wants to leave by signing a pre-contract. You know, it, it's clearly, Mark, he doesn't want to be there. And, and it goes for any player in any club. Like, if they sign a pre-contract, Mark, that means like, they don't want to be to your club anymore, you know? Even if, players, no. even if players turn around and say that they're looking to move, Paul, I'd look at when Christie mm-hmm. was here, I'd say off for weeks. Uh, people were on raving about how good well Christie was playing in that. And I was like, shouldn't you be in the team? If, unless he's signing a new contract, he's made it clear he didn't want to be be there. So unless he signs a new long term deal, he should have been shifted out. He shouldn't even have been in the team to go vote a transfer out the club. I thought I'd be with Jonas here. Uh, Jonas, I know you've you, you, you spoke to us about this and we, we can actually see your point when, when we look back at it because it was more kind of 
protection from Seagrass as well, the, the, the way the keepers come over the ball, the Rab wants no the challenge on Abadar in the Celtic and Dundee United game. But it was kind of more that, that he was more protecting himself, or was it that way came across for you, wanted? Nah, I, like, I don't think... The key thing for me is, normally you notice if an incident's premeditated is if, the pers- mm. if the person's looking at the opposition player. But if you look at that passage of play, the goalkeeper never once looks at Abadar. He's just got his eyes fixed on the ball. So he's not looking to try and kick anybody. He's maybe put his leg out because he thinks he's going to get he's going to get Polak's in midair, and then the way Abada's ran into him, he sort of caught him like in the sort of side of the ribs or whatever. But I don't think there was anything malicious in it, like. Eh? Uh, Mark six, as we go down the United the fifth and and Celtic in six or uh, six, like it, it's not where we thought we'd see Celtic in in October, Mark, is it? You know? No. No, definitely no. But <clears throat> just that is what it is. We need to dust ourselves down and go again, as Stephen Gerrard likes to say, now and again. But I mean, we've sort of eight games, we've got 13 points, three losses. It is a bit, it's not exactly the way we expect the things to pan out. But we just need to deal with it, Paul, and get knuckled down and mm-hmm. make sure that the next, the next part of the league's going to be better for us. Well, it's gone back to. Uh, what Jonas was saying as well uh, when he when he was on with us uh, last uh, week and a half ago, I think it was uh, Jonas who said that everyone seems to be dropping points this season. You know, it's not just Celtic. You know, oh, Aberdeen are dropping points, Hibs are dropping points, Rangers are dropping points. Everyone seems to be dropping points a bit here and there, don't they? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. And like you say, I think it's going to be quite competitive in the sense that nobody looks like they're going to go on a, well, someone might go on a three or four game winning run, but everybody looks like they're conceding goals. So there's a lot of football to be played yet. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. there's a bit of a culture in this country where Everybody dives off at the deep end. You lose a couple of games and all of a sudden, you're only ever two or three games away from being in a crisis, it seems to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you go and win four games and then all of a sudden, you're the best thing since sliced bread. So I think people people tend to lose the mind. And I've, I'm guilty of that. Like, See, sometimes I'll have a completely off-the-cliff meltdown because it's just because you're reacting to what you see there and then. But you should really be thinking about the bigger picture sometimes as well, you know? Really, you you can't really control your emotions, you know. As you said there, like you'll have a meltdown over 
losing two, three games. But that's because you're, you're a fan of your, your club. You don't want your club to be losing. But you have to look at the bigger picture as well. Like, and we're looking at the bigger picture. Like, there's not many games. Like, there's only a few games played so far this year. So, I mean, like, there's still a long, long way to go, Mark. You know what I mean? Like, it, are Celtic in a crisis, Mark? Or, are some fans being over the tops uh, calling for Ange to be sacked and, and stuff like that? Definitely. Fans, people asking for Ange to be sacked, that's just a massive overreaction considering, considering how long he's been here and the size of the job that he's got. But, I mean, we spoke about how big a job it was going to be. I didn't expect it actually to be where we, we were the new, Paul, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, has, when it comes to, like, as you're saying, looking at the bigger picture, he's done a, he's done a good enough job for coming into the situation that he's come into. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think a lot with uh, with Celtic fans, like they forget what Ange had to kind of do or when he like considering like as long as I, I, I can't remember any team kind of losing so many players in, in at the end of one season of between loan players and players leaving. Like he had to build a whole new team and and, and bred his own philosophy into the team. Like you know, and for fans to be calling his back uh, to be sacked already, it's like give it a break, like give the man at least we say January to judge him then or something, you know? Yeah, I mean the thing is like it was a full scale rebuild, like you know what I mean? It was basically mm-hmm. everything stripped back to the bones and having to build again. I mean, you look at even the great sides that, like, you look at when Man City first got their money and they threw all those players in, like, they signed Rubinho and mm-hmm. went on a big spending spree. It took them a couple of years. You can't just... It's like, well, look at PSG. They've thrown together Mbappe, like, Bro, you know, yeah. Neymar, Messi, and everything like that. And, okay, they've started off well in the league. I think they lost their first game at the weekend, but you look at the way they've played in the Champions League, drawn away at Bruges. Messi's only scored one goal. You can't... It doesn't matter what level of football you play. You can't just throw together people a group of players and expect it to click especially when you've got a manager and a new style and that getting implemented you've got to give it time but the problem nowadays is and I think social media plays a part yeah. is everybody wants success instantly like football see football now you don't get longevity in football everybody just craves an instant success or or you're like you say you, you lose your job you're only ever six games away from the sack as a manager nowadays uh, we spoke about that in the last podcast you only said you're about six games for the sack I mean, even even it's like smaller clubs in Scotland and that it's like a few bad results, and you see, as you said on social media, they want the manager sacked and they want the owner out and they want the board changed and things like that. And just uh, people, as you say, it's just if there if there isn't instant success, that everybody just goes on looking for the negatives of things. Yeah, I think it's just the way that it's just the mentality that sort of sort of. I think it compasses everybody. I think it it came. It, it's came for England. You get with like the English League and English Championship. There's that much at stake down there. Stake, stake down there. Yeah, like if we if, if if we don't stack him, Mark, we're going to lose millions going down to the Championship. Aye, aye, aye. If we don't get promoted this year, we're going to lose out in this all this, these millions of and pounds. Uh, the Championship teams will chop and change managers if they lose. A, like Jonas says a handful of games. Totally agree with you, Mark. And I think another reason that that's came in as well is do you not think that in England there's a culture of We'll just throw as much money at it as it needs to fix it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's always you. You look at Watford there, right? That's their manager sacked already. I mean, already, they, they, yeah. go, they go through about four or five, four or five managers 
a season. I seen something that Paddy Power tweeted saying that scientists have said that by the year 2035, one in three human beings will have managed Watford or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, but it's amazing. Like, they, 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 I, what was it there? They were in the last in, in, in the Premier, I think they went through three managers in one season or something like three that. Three or four, yeah, that's yeah. right. Because they, then they brought Nigel Pearson in it right at the end. Pearson, he yeah. Got punted, he got punted as well, you know what I mean? So it's just and then, wild. And then you look at clubs like Brentford. They build things in. I mean, Brentford, right? They may be struggling the Premier League this year. I, I really, I don't actually know where they're sitting. No, they're actually not. They're actually doing fairly well, right, to be honest. No, but I, I imagine it's back to what we're talking about, like squad depth and things like that. Paul will come into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they'll finish in the bottom half of the, the league. But yeah, see if the stage, see if Brentford stay in the Premier League, see next season they'll improve again. Together, yeah. they this kind of pro, the kind of processes in place and things like that. And, and uh, they started poorly under that new manager in the championship, Mark. I think they struggled, and a few of the fans were like, I'll oh, get this Thomas Frank mm-hmm. out. But the owners said, no, we're giving him time because we believe in building a philosophy and letting him get time to build a successful team. And they're in the Premier League now, so it, it, it goes to show that chop, the knee-jerk change isn't always successful. No, Look at def- Watford, four managers, uh, still didn't got relegated. <laughs> uh, the knee-jerk, very, very rarely a kind of knee-jerk reaction. Management change will work out. I don't think you want know, it's very rarely the day because it is just right. We need to get rid of him and who, right, so who's available. And for years, it was always the go to guys. It was like Sam Allardyce and Tony Pulis, and he, and pure dinosaurs, man. Honestly, and that, that's one of the reasons that the, the Premier League is, although it's called the Razzmatazz and stuff like that, it's still not actually a very good league. The quality of football isn't isn't actually that great, and I think that's a lot of that's due to that because because managers don't get get time to make changes and get things going the way they want. No, out, out with I agree with you. Out with about the top six, like isn't great. And the thing is as well, if you go and sack a manager, okay, you maybe get that new manager bounce where you maybe get a couple of results. Yeah, but then, yeah. It, then. Very often, like you said, their market it just goes back to the status quo and it and it falls off a cliff again. So the knee jerk reactions very rarely. I would probably say maybe a one in ten or a two in ten success rate. Like it's like um, a good example. Like a, I I don't know what it was about Crystal Palace. Like you know, what 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 fans what what their fans expect. Like but Roy Hodgson always kept them in the league every year every year. And it's the one season I'm actually looking, even though Edward moved there and all and, and stuff like that, Mark. And so I still think Crystal Palace will go down this season just because they they sacked uh, Roy Hutch, they, they didn't sack him, he left and he did the thing. But some fans in the, in the Premier League, like, they, they're wishing for too much for the club. Like They're not happy to finish mid-table. They're not... They want to get to Europe, they want to finish fifth. Like, but like, why do they take their clubs are? Like, you know how, long's, how long's Crystal Palace been in the Premier League now? It's a long, long time, Mark. They've been there a good while. Right. Yeah. For me, if you're in the Premier League for that length of time, you move it up a level. For the first couple yeah. of years, are you, right? you're happy enough to be, even if you're scraping by and staying in the league with goal difference, you're happy with that. But for the next year, why are you not planning to be It'll eventually get you, Mark. The relegation will eventually get you if you're if you're happy. Ah, if you're, you're just, if you're just happy to scrape by and stay in the league, you're never going to get any better. Mm-hmm. So you've got, uh, especially with the money they've got doing there,
Crystal Palace will be in that Premier League long enough that they should be investing and growing and getting better season by season. I don't be mm. no season will maybe finish lower than they're expecting to in that, but I mean, especially with Vieira taking over as well, they must have quite lofty ambitions for to bring him in. That's what it is doing in that England. You've got three or four teams up the top that know that they're capable of winning the league, and then you've got the rest of them, the next three or four, like your Leicesters and Spurs and that, that are going to get into Europe. And then after that, it's just a free-for-all for people. Mm-hmm. Their, their sole aim is just to survive in that league because of the money involved. They've not got any... T- they've really not got any intention of getting better or growing as a club. I've been watching a documentary series. I think it finished last week. I can't even remember what it was called now. Fever Pitch, I think it was. It was in BBC Two. It was about when the Premier League started and how it grew, kind of thing. And it goes back and it's like Jack Walker's time at Blackburn. He was probably quite young at that time. You know, early, early oh, Jack Walker, when he was... Uh, did, he, did he win it with Doug Leach? Did, uh, he was chairman of Blackburn as well? Did, did well he was the owner of Blackburn, that's what I mean. But yeah. he brought... I'm not saying clubs can come up and just throw money willy-nilly now with the money that's actually involved in football. You need to be a billionaire to do that. But at the time, Jack Walker invested in Blackburn and was buying the best players and improving and bringing in like guys like Kenny Dogbeach that were improving the club. Once he got into the Premier League, he wasn't happy just to sit in the Premier League. He wanted to be up there challenging with the best. And that's what these other wee clubs... As I say, it costs billions to do it, but at least compete. Like, if you're finishing in the bottom six places, see, next season, try and finish in the middle six places. And that's you, you've improved, you're getting better, your fans will see you're getting better, people will see you're getting better. Get you a wee bit more, kind of, I don't know, kudos, is that the right word? Instead of just mm-hmm. looking for, right, as long as we survive in this league, the fans will be happy, we'll get all the tourist supporters and we'll get all the sky money. That's that's just pointless. Pointless. I remember was this uh Jonas you'll probably remember as well and Mark doesn't kinda of keep an eye on this song, but when Queen's Park Rangers came into the, the Premier League for the first time, their chairman spent millions on all these new players, but no one ever heard of these players that he was bringing in, but it was the fact because QPR were now a Premier League team, they pay over the odds, and the fact they, I think they had a record loss and everything, and they just got relegated down, and they lost millions in selling on these players then the championships, like, so, like, when you go into the Premier League as well, like, you're, you're paying over the odds for players now as well down there, that because the, it's the Premier League as well, isn't it, you know? Yeah, and like I think it was the boy Tony Fernandez that had yeah Fernandez yeah one yeah. team and he was paying like boys like Esteban Granero and like there was other lads I can't remember all of them there was boys like Eddie Vargas and guys that were on you know a hundred hundreds of thousands a week or whatever like boys that Chris yeah. uh, what was his name Chris Samba on a hundred grand a week and everything and they got relegated so just like throwing money at it isn't a be all and end all either. You need time, it's a process. It's the same yeah. thing, like it's interesting what Mark was saying there about building. It was like us, Mark, like you know, when we got promoted, like Mickey Mellon steadied the ship last season and kept consolidating this. But the owners have said to courts now, you need to move on, challenge for in the cups and go for top six and try and maybe get head a, for a, towards a, fourth, fourth or fifth. Get, spot, get, yeah. 
or a Europa Conference spot. And it's because we're a club that should be doing that. We shouldn't just be happy to bum about in eighth or ninth every season and say, ah, oh, that's another season ticked off, you know. It's all about progress. Well, so, no, I totally agree with what you're saying. I've said it as well for every podcast when you spoke about Dundee United, Jonas. I remember mm. Dundee United under Jim McLean when they were winning the league and things like that. And for me, yeah. Dundee United should be one of the teams that's challenging for third place. I know you are no longer put the championship and that, but like over the next season or two, for me, Dundee United are a club that should be challenging for like third place in the league. No saying get, I'm not saying you should get it every time, but it should be like say you, Aberdeen, Hearts and Hibs that are challenging for that third spot. Maybe even exactly. maybe even if Celtic Rangers have a bad season, maybe even scraping second place. Yours, do you think the, the this 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 new conference league uh, is good for? Uh, sorry for my expression. Like teams like for for, for Dundee United and maybe lower teams and other lower in, in leagues like that to, 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 to experience your P nights. Absolutely. Absolutely, because the problem now is that access to the like the likes of the Europa League mm-hmm. and the Champions League, as you as as as, as we know, like, yeah. as you yeah. lads have found out, like qualification for the Champions League and the Europa League are getting more and more difficult season on season because of the money that is in, in these other so-called top five European leagues. So if you look at clubs like Dundee United who are like sort of from like the middle, like you sort of middle, maybe sort of the middle of the top half of the SPL, you look at maybe teams from Bosnia, teams from Albania, teams from mm-hmm. Finland, teams from Sweden, you know, these countries, it gives teams an opportunity to play European football because the t- the top two competitions are almost a closed market now. Like you know, obviously you lads are in the Europa League, but even then, I mean the likes of Bayern Leverkusen, you've got yeah. a hand, it, it's difficult because if you look at the finances, you look at some of the players that you're up against, they still pay thirty, forty million pound uh, for two or three the three of their signings, which you, even you lads can't compete with, despite the financial clout that you've got at our level. Like you know, I think the Conference League is good for. <laughs> As you say, Paul, with put slagging teams off the smaller clubs. Because if Dundee United even get into the Conference League, it'll be a sellout stadium, won't it, Jonas? Yeah, and the thing is as well, you think of the money, it maybe brings in maybe three, four, five million, which is big money to us uh, and into that group stage. Even if you don't progress out the group uh, stage, if you get three... You just don't care whether it's the European League or the Conference League or whatever. It's a European night that Dundee United's involved in and you're delighted for it, so you're going to turn up. Exactly, you're going to get 14,000 every game, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to the, the SPL as a whole, um, look, there's, there's a few teams uh, down the bottom who, who seem to be struggling, and, and to my surprise, uh, Aberdeen at the moment looked like, like they're in trouble, uh, Dundee uh, are in trouble at the moment, only three points, uh, Ross County are struggling, Livestead are struggling, even though their, 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 their only win came against... Uh, against Celtic. Uh, looking at Aberdeen, Mark, uh, I know we spoke about managers being under pressure and stuff like that, but Glass looks like he's really under pressure here in, in the SPL, don't he? Uh, well, again, is he, it depends, Paul, what Aberdeen's kind of outlook is. is it, are they just going to... Are they going for a need, going to go no, for I'm a like, need I, reaction I, 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 or are they I'm, going I'm, to... Look, I, I'm looking at maybe on a, a board level. Here we say look, we look Aberdeen's board and said we gave him the finances this year. You know, we we, we haven't kind of given him to Derek Eden's for for, for for a couple of years. Like Aberdeen haven't spent like this. I say 
Mark, in a good couple of years, like they really invested. Oh, uh, they definitely buy class. Yeah, you know, and like it, it just hasn't. But, but what's going to change, it, Paul? If they sack Kim, the new, what's really what's going to change? Yeah, it's just that's, going that, to that, that, that's, that's, that's back to fans' expectations. Expectations back again into like as he said, uh, a while ago yourself, and honest. You need time, but with the modern fans, you're not going to get that time. And from what I was reading today, and when I, when I was looking through stuff, uh, a lot of the Aberdeen fans are, are wanted the most. Well, the thing is, like, you can't really... I mean, it's a project as well now. They've thrown a lot of money at that. Yeah. So if they go and then sack him, the new manager comes in and he's, he's left what? with the players that Glass brought in. And like some hisses from then or something, then you honest as well. Exactly. Know? And then what do you mean they the, might have to... What do you mean, sorry, the, new, what do you mean the new manager comes in? You mean Scott Brown steps up? Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> that, that's true, actually. That I kind of thought it's similar to the situation at Dundee as well with Charlie Adam. I think he's just waiting in the wings for when James McPake gets sacked that he'll take over the job there, like, you know? But, um, <laughs> yeah. <your> sister's pants. <laughs> 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 that, that was a that was sub ninety few weeks ago with all the racism stuff. And that was coming up. They compared it to guys singing about his sister's pants. I compared Kyogo. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that just shows you the mentality, Charlie. Adam, sure. really. I've seen some outrageous takes on racism and a few outlandish takes, oh. but even I was like, wow, that's that's <laughs> some take that like. Eh. But you know what I was proud of, Jonas, um, mm. uh, was was caught. At the, the match at the weekend when he took up the jersey, the the, the short short waist, and he went up to the fans and he started showing the thing, you know that that that's that's courage and commitment that that, that courts has to the folks and, and and the Dundee United players that he he backing one hundred percent and and fair juice to him for going out in the stadium and, and holding that up. That's it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the fact it's embarrassing that we even talk about subjects like this in yeah. the twenty first century because. All we're having to do now is everything. You've got to respect everything, and it's all got. To, it's all equality, and even you know things have changed so much. And people, everybody, most people nowadays have are educated enough, or should have a reasonable education. So the fact that we're still seeing incidents of that that was carried on in the sixties and seventies and whatever, the fact that we're still having to deal with that. You, to take that that you, you, you could clearly see. How hot Fuchs was about it, going up to the referee, saying to the referee that you, you could clearly see like that he heard something in the stands. You know, it's directed at him, like as you said there, like we're educated now, like, like I didn't have this education when I was brought up. I, I'm only 39 and I didn't have the education that they have now in, in, in racism. And I still know how to respect this. Do, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I'm a generation, I can remember all. She's like all the comedians that you when they got on the telly now, I can remember them being like big stars on the telly. But I'll be honest, racism was, I don't mean to accept it. I was brought up to just take people as I found them. That's why my mum and dad brought me up. But people yeah. treat you right, you treat them right. And no matter what colour their skin is or what religion they are, just don't get what I mean. Don't get us wrong. I was involved in a lot of the Celtic Rangers, Catholic Protestant stuff and that when I was younger. But... Just, I, I never, I, was, I wasn't brought up to abuse people because they were from another country, because they had a different no. colour of skin for me. Although, as I said, a lot of, it was on the telly. I mean, there's even old programmes and that I look up and show my wife them, and there was a programme uh, called Love Thy Neighbour. And it's all 
guy, Patrick, it's in EastEnders, you know, and see, on, see the talk that's between him, he's the black guy, obviously, and it's a white next-door neighbour, but it's all meant to be kind of jokey. See the talk on them, no, it would, it would get you arrested at the football. See if you were shouting his names at a, a football player, you, you, you should be arrested. But back then, it just seems mm-hmm. to be, it was kind of just accepting a kind of, or oh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, kind of humour. But for a start, as Jonas says, it's 2021, nearly 2022, and it's still going on. And a lot of the times as well, mm-hmm. it is still kind of just palmed off as banter. And it's never but banter. the problem is, Mark, like, the, the problem is about it, like, it's just not in one country in, in football. It seems to be in every country, you know, in, in football that... Uh, there is being targeted racism is, is being shouted from the stands. You know, it's, it's it's just like it's not just in Scotland, it's not just in England. It's 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 everywhere now. Really, like you, you get the chance and stuff like that. You know, it's 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 really and as what you said, like when I was younger, uh, Paul, Eng- English league was one of the worst for it. It really yeah. was. And see, even if you watch back, like the old documentaries, even when you go back and look the old documentaries, and all these podcasts, and all the, all the old football hooligans and guys like that doing all that. There is an inherent racism involved in it. The English League was one mm-hmm. of the worst worst in the world for it. For years upon years, the English League, John Barnes, John Barnes used to get booed playing for England because he was black, but he's in fans. I mean, that's, that shows you the mentality of the people that you're trying to deal with and change their perception of how to treat other human beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we move on, lads. Uh, so, uh, you want your... Your local rivals, I thought just just comes out your local rivals, but uh, Dundee, they're, they're not having the best of starts, are they? They, they seem to be finding life hard in the Premier League at the moment, don't they? At least you know the difference between Dundee and Dundee United, Paul. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you're, giving, you're, you're, actually giving me, you're actually giving me time to, 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 to get the, the United instead of jumping on me, you know? Yeah. Nah, I think, I think the thing is, Paul, like what you were saying there is, on paper, when you look at the Lee Griffiths, you look at Jason Cummins, you look at even Alex Akubia, Josh Mullen, and then they've got like boys like Paul McMullen, Charlie Adam. They're they should be doing better than what they are. But I think the thing is, they're just they just can't score goals. And I mean, the old line was trotted out from McPake that I've played well near enough every week, and we just need to stick the ball in the net. But the St Johnston game was the first time that even their fans have turned around and said, "Look, we were absolutely horrendous and got comfortably beat." You know what I mean? So, if you're not if you're playing well and losing, how much more difficult does it become when you're playing bad and losing? You know what I mean? So, the thing is, and their next run of games have got Aberdeen, Ross County, and Hearts. It doesn't get any easier for them. So, no, you know, it, it's it's all wrong. Especially and Aberdeen and and Ross County are the kind of teams in the wrong them, and they're, they're all kind of looking for points. And I, I always say it like. It's hard to get the uh, the points off the lower teams, you honest, that, that that are fighting for the same points as you are. Well, they, they're you all know? fighting for their lives, so those yeah. basement battles are always the most difficult. Because once you get the, the season we got relegated, two thousand sixteen, it was always ah, there's always next week, there's always next week, there's always next week. But the games run out on you really quick. Mm-hmm. And the problem you've got is if you're marooned in that sort of bottom two or three, come sort of Christmas and the turn of the year, and you're having to go through that horrible sort of December, January, February winter spell bogged down when the pitches are heavy and it's just about blood. It's not always the prettiest football, it's about who wants to win the second balls. If you don't have the players to play that kind of system, then you can be in a lot of trouble at 
you, you can get yourself mired down there very quickly, like, you know. And it starts getting into the players' minds, their heads as well, that, oh, we're struggling here, we're struggling. A lot of the times I've, I can remember even watching, see, like, maybe play, teams playing against Aki's and things like that. You used to keep an eye on Aki's. Teams would come and it was teams that you were expecting to beat Aki's, even though they were there running about them in the league, but you were still expecting them to beat them. But it was as if they were coming and they were kind of playing within themselves. They know that they kind of, there comes a point in the season you can tell a team starts kind of, I don't know what's the word, like it gets into their mind, it gets into their head that they are yeah, yeah. in trouble and you can tell by the way they're playing, they're playing with a kind of, a kind of fear about, a fear in themselves rather than trying to win the game. They're mere, it's just spoke mm-hmm. about Jonas, they're more concerned about just no losing and effect, even it gets Yeah, it's, aye, they kind of try to hand mark, aye, not, that's not, the kind not, of way. Not, not to lose, aye. Aye. yeah. They become that, you know, des- that desperate for just a point, even they're just they're not playing their usual game. They're probably drawing games that they might win. And going by, go what you also saying there as well, Mark, like with the cake, like, oh, there's always next week, there's always a book, but with the games, the homework, and, and they're, they're coming quick and fast, like, you actually have less and less time to maybe improve and stuff as well, you know, and it's the same with Celtic, Mark, like, with Europa League. We, we actually have less time pre- to prepare on the training well, ground as well. But and, do you I, know what I mean? Well, that's the thing, Paul. I mean, even domestic games, you're playing one, two, maybe two games a week. And then if you're playing in Europe, you've got that. So a lot of the times, we're talking about like Ange coming in and then even like Coach coming in at uh, Dundee United. If, if it, they were only playing it every Saturday or Sunday, then no a game the next week Saturday or Sunday, then no a game the next week Saturday. There's a lot, lot, a lot more time to spend in the training pitch and get the players mm-hmm. up to scratch and do what the managers want them to do. But the game's come that thick and fast now that the training's kind of, not limited, but it's, the training time's cut down because they need, a, they need a, a day preparation and a day recovery for a game. So that's like basically three games, three days during the week that they're not doing full mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, we, we're going to move on from uh, the, 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 the league and I know it's early but it's all predictions uh, do you honest, do you think maybe Dundee might be the team that, that, that will get relegated or is there someone else that might slip down there Livingston are in trouble, they only had one win and, and, and the Jordan are sitting four points as well they're, they they really seem to, to be a team struggling at the moment Ross County seem like they're, they're in the doldrums yeah. as well, I think I think you're probably going to see maybe, I'm not sure, maybe Ross County, Dundee and Livingston maybe sort of, you know, yeah, get, get, getting dragged into that sort of dreaded basement battle as, as they like to call it, like, you know, and like I say. Because once you're down there, Jonas, it's hard to get out of it. Once you're one of the teams that's down there, it's very hard to get out of it, like, isn't it? Cause a, absolutely, because the problem is winning becomes a habit, but so does losing. And See, when you're mm-hmm. scrapping at the bottom, everything seems to go against you. The refereeing decisions, injuries, mm-hmm. the wee breaks of the ball, the, the marginal offside. Literally, everything goes against you. You, you, lose, a, well. you, you lose a game with an OG and things like that. that is exact, I know exactly what you're saying there, Jonas, because I've seen it with Aki's as well. When exactly, you're doing yeah. it, it just seems to be... The problem just keeps build up. And you can't, you, basically, you can't buy a point. Into that's no. what you get, Stephen, that you're in. I mean, really, Aberdeen sitting, but ninth in the league or something. You know, I don't expect Aberdeen to finish ninth in the league. But come like February, March, if Aberdeen are still ninth in the league, that's a real, real problem. 
Well, and, and yeah. you, you look at the money, you look at Aberdeen compared to what they'll be paying their boys compared to Ross County and Livingston. Dundee pay no bad yeah. wages, but compared to Ross County and Livingston, it's an absolute embarrassment for Aberdeen to be. If, not like obviously, there's plenty of things. Would they be the deterred highest? Yeah, but well, wages in the league, I say, would they? I'd say so. Yeah, well, you can maybe debate that between the Edinburgh clubs as well, but I mean, they're certainly in the top five, pay the highest budgets if not the third highest budget so for a team to be spending that money and the players that they've brought in if they do start to if it, if you get if we get into november december january and they're still languishing then there's a lot of problems like you know yeah there's seriously so like because their stack mark has really surprised me to be honest i, I thought Aberdeen would be a bit but look we're in the same boat mark i mean we, we know it's going to be hard on the Ange, but we didn't expect Celtic to be to be sitting sixth in league come October, did we? You know? No, that didn't anyway, Paul. Definitely no, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at that, when you actually look at the stats in that, Paul, just like the actual league table, I'm just looking at it now. It's only two points, Mark. Is it six points? Is it six points? Six points between us in the top of the table. But, I mean, mm-hmm. even there, our goal difference, we've got the best goal difference in the league. We've only, conceded, mm-hmm. we've only conceded the same amount of goals as Rangers. And we've scored more goals than Rangers. It just didn't, it didn't transfer into actual winning games. I've just noticed as well, mm-hmm. Dundee United have scored five and five against them. I mean, I'm sure... Is that your biggest problem, Jonas, is it? Is, yep. is actually just getting the goals? Uh-huh, is it? Their defence seems to be doing their job well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the only thing is, like you, we've talked about... See, when you're winning games 1-0, it puts an awful lot of pressure on your defence yeah. to keep clean sheets if you're not scoring. But I would like to... I think I've sat through a five, two five-minute injury times, a four-minute injury time or something like that. And like I say, I would rather get to a point where I'm not having a... It's not cardiac arrest material for the last five, ten minutes every exactly, week. Like, like, you know I mean, what I mean? One, one like is always... It's always a... Nerve-wracking the last couple of minutes. You know, because anything can happen. You're know, like a corner or set piece. Or, set piece. Someone you know, could have. Someone could stick one in the top corner from thirty yards. You know what I mean? It's just the way. Yeah. It you know, it's just football. Uh, look, uh, of course, it wouldn't be uh, the SBL if, if if the referees didn't uh, highlight September again. Uh, again, there was kind of shocking decisions over the weekend. Uh, Bobby Madden was was whistle happy with Celtic versus Aberdeen. Uh, we had a Pretorius red card that Jonas actually kind of walked it out for us. That he was kind of over the ball. So we talked about think that. I, but geez, what, right, you're saying that Jonas about Porteous, but what about the Lundstrom tackle? I was coming to that. Oh, right. So then we had uh, the Youngson tackle that actually wasn't a red card, but it was kind of a similar tackle, really. Uh, going by what just. Be honest, what Mark was going to ask you, what you think about that tackle? Was that uh, a rash tackle? Do you think? Well, I think, I think what boils everybody's blood the most is is the lack of consistency. That's, if, that's if you, spot on, if, Jonas. Spot on, but if, if you penalise a foul like what he did with Porteous, and then there's a foul of almost identical nature, if you're then punishing them two differently, if you wave play on with one of them and you send someone off with the other, then. That's what gets fans' backs up. You either treat them both the same or you take no action. You know what I mean? You can't say, oh, well, that was a red card, but actually I don't think this tackle was. You know what I mean? So either be cons- th- th- That's what drives everybody demented. There's no consistency with the referee. And like, 
it seems like you know what I mean. Like you know, they're consistent. There is one consistency. They're consistently poor. <laughs> you know what I mean. Aye. But but you're just like just have a wee bit of consistency about your decision making and and give the same mm. decisions for the same incidents or similar incidents. Mm. Did, did you watch uh, the Celtic game uh, against Aberdeen, Jonas? Aye. Who did you think he just got uh, Ramsey? Was it the right back, that young guy Ramsey against Yota? Um, the thing is, yeah, that wasn't a great tackle either. But I don't. No, think... I'm just, I'm just, no, I'm, I'm talking about in general. I mean, I've, I've, was, I've heard people and seen people raving about this young guy, and I was quite looking forward to seeing how he performed. But for the amount of fouls that he was, like, according to Yota, was like putting on him. How can you be a defender and get out-muscled and fouled so much with a wee guy that's no bigger than Mikey Johnson? I think the problem is, he's, I think that's the first time he's came up against everybody with, like, a, a, you know, levels above, above. you know what I mean? He's, probably, he's looked good against people of not-so-great ability, or maybe people of similar ability, but that's the first time he's come up against someone with real ability. I mean, I thought that Jota was brilliant in the Bayern-Leverkusen game and that, and he looks like he's a level above a lot of the players in that the country just by his intelligence. Even when he cut inside them and he smashed that shot into the bar for 35 yards or whatever, like, you see, the guy's got obviously ability, so... And it's not always... You know what it is, Mark? It's not even always about being a bigger guy or a stronger guy. Sometimes it's just about the guy's better at football. You know what I mean? Uh, just, I thought yeah. the referee kind of gave that Ramsey a bit of protection the other day. Just I think so I was looking... There was a tackle on Kyogo that was quite a bad challenge where he sort of raked him and then he sort of moaned, he went over and sort of had a go at him saying that he went down too easily but he got nowhere near the ball so yeah, I thought the referee probably yeah, again, he was inconsistent. That, aye, that one of Kyogo, for me that could have been a red card. Uh, that was a poor tackle, like, yeah. So I was looking at uh, Yasha's when he played with Villard in, uh, in Spain last season compared to the start of this season. So last season in Spain, he played 731 minutes of football. And in in, in that time, he com- committed seven fouls in total. Against Aberdeen, he committed eight fouls. In his pre- five previous games, he committed four fouls. So, so far this season, Yasser has committed 12 fouls. And in the 720 minutes last week, he committed four. Prior to the Aberdeen game, Yasser committed a foul every 107 minutes and against Aberdeen there was a foul mark every 11 minutes like so there was clearly something there Mark as, as he said you said, you know, said like, was he uh, protecting Ramsey or was he breaking up the play or, or, or something uh, like that because that, that, that day was whistleblower Mark you know what I mean but I mean for, we spoke about it we put the stats up on the forum in that ball 27 fouls in a game of football mm-hmm. and it just uh, but I, I, I've said that a hundred. I don't buy into all these kind of conspiracies that doing the Masonic Lodge and that, deciding what the Celtic school's going to be. But it's the, just a level of absolute incompetence for Scottish referees. And because I've said it as well, it's not just Celtic fans, it's not just Rangers fans. Every fan in Scotland's got complaints about refereeing standards. And I've said it as well, you need to bring it up. Even when you win, bring it up. Bring it up how poor the referee performed. Because if you only date when you lose, it just looks like sour grapes. And that's why I keep saying that in the forum as well. Like eh, Madden and Sunday, right? We won the game, we were happy. We said before the game, anyone would lose. Anyone, doesn't matter how. And we got the win. That was the main thing for Celtic. 
but still bring up the referee's performances. And I've, I've said it all the time as well, I would love somebody to ask Ange what he actually thinks. Not every game, but just in general, what do you think of the refereeing standards in Scotland? Ask Stephen Gerrard, this guy's played in the Premier League all his career. With the guy, do you get what I mean? We put referees are meant to be at the top of their game, the best in the world. Ask him. Maybe he can. Maybe maybe he can ask him over dinner. Be well, some madden and. But you can't. But <laughs> if see if he's got any kind of integrity, he would answer it truthfully. And yeah, see, that's mean, it. Man, that's I think. why your manager's not allowed to quit. I'm not saying going and have rants about referees and all these daft conspiracies and stuff. But why is a manager not? Why did if a manager comes out? And questions are referee's performance. Why does he get hold in front of the SFA under this report? Was, was it last was it last season? Uh Dakis managed Dakis manager as well, Bolly Reed. He got he got he got he got banned for two for two games, didn't he? For the sidelines. Bolly Reed for questioning a, a refereeing decision. Well why didn't Gerard run run onto the pitch last season at full time and and consult Beast on off decision that he made sending off a Rangers player? Last season, you know, I don't know, maybe. But I'm even, see, Paul, Stephen, whether it's the Dundee United, the Dundee United manager or the Aberdeen manager or the Hearts manager, see if you've got, a, you've got something to say about the referee's performance, come out and see it. Because your club, should, your be, club should back you up on that. See if fans get older. There seems to be a protection mark, don't they? The, 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 the referees seem to be untouched bit or something like there's, that. There's, there's and I know we spoke. There's no accountability, Paul. There's no accountability. Yeah. And I know we spoke about VAR with Jonas last week as well. And Jonas says that will it change? Because you're right in what you're saying, Jonas. Like you could have Madden on the pitch, but beaten or anyone could be. You know, his body could be up in the stands. Like, and he's not going to against go against a, a Bobby Madden decision that he made on the. On the on the pitches, it's vice versa. Then Bobby Madden won't go against the decision that beats are made off the camera. Like, is it going to change? Like it's a big problem, and, and it doesn't seem to be going away. You know. Aye, the, the thing is, I think the VAR is the right thing to do, though, because I think the one thing it might have, right, is I've thought about this quite a lot actually recently, just since mm-hmm. it was talked about last week. Is okay. It still might be the same officials. However, you would think that with the and the problem is they're going to be under a lot more scrutiny because especially being televised and everything you're honest yeah. yeah exactly because normally what you'll see is when the referee goes to his monitor the cameraman zooms in and sees what the replays that the referee are see- mm. seeing and then the studio official like put panel at half time and at full time will be able to analyse the VAR replays and everything right so then if they're still making horrendous decisions after having it slowed down tens of times in front of them then that's when you know that there's there might be some more than just human error afoot. But I think with the VAR, they're going to be under certainly a lot more pressure to get the decisions right. And it gives them an opportunity to at least see the decision more than once and slow down so they've got an option to come to the right right decision, you know? I was wanting, and I, I I don't know if it's shown or, or things like that, to be honest. I, I don't think it is. Is you know, we have the big screens up in the, the stadiums. Mm-hmm. Are they shown uh, when the referee's looking at the monitors at, at Vara, he's looking at the replays so that are those replays shown on those big screens in the stadiums? There was a big controversy in a game down south actually. I think it was a Swansea Tottenham game or something when yeah. what had happened 
was the replay got shown on the screens to the crowd and then the crowd kicked off and then I think someone got disciplined, the boy that ran the, the big screen yeah. got disciplined because I don't think they're supposed to be shown on there because all that happens is the VAR thing comes up, say like VAR check, possible offside check. and then it'll yeah, give the decision. Yeah, that's all, yeah. But I don't think the broad- yeah, but I don't think they broadcast the actual decision onto the screens. It's only the referee that's seeing it on that wee pitch side monitor. I don't think it gets beamed into the ground for the crowd to see. Should it be like maybe? I'd like mate, I'd like your referees to be mic'd up. I was just that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Paul, I'd like the referees to be mic'd up. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying the fans or even us at home should be listening to that, but someday you get see like a referee. I mean, I've said it before, see that English, the way VAR, VAR, VAR for me should be, the referee was the sure he's seen that, he wants to go and look at replays. No anybody up in the stand, a referee himself should be you know, over to look at the replays and decide himself whether he's made, made a mistake. Because I'm a great believer in the referee's decision's final. Because that's one of the rules of football. And now, it, it's, no because, it's no like that, because these guys up in television studios are making decisions. So if a referee goes over to look at a, like a monitor and replay the, for all the different angles while talking to somebody, just talking to somebody and explaining, do you get what I mean? Oh, well, look, his leg was there, but his arm was there and things like that. That's fair enough. I don't think fans want to hear what referees are talking about, but they should be over there mic'd up and somebody should be kind of monitoring their, why they've made the decision. And then, she come the Monday morning or the Tuesday or whatever, then they look back they get together, they review it, and the referee can see if he's made a mistake and what he said. He said something that's recorded, and why he's been wrong in that choice. Yeah, and the, the thing is, I think the referee should have a meeting on a Monday where every single referee comes together and they do a performance review, and then there's a panel and they get audited. So, uh, say you've been in charge yeah. of a big game and had two or three bad decisions. They did the, the that, Jonas. They did that before. Uh, they did that before the band practice. And then, before they go in the goat. <laughs> and and the thing is, you would like to think that the boy would then maybe say, right, you know what, you've had a shocker today. So see next week, you're going to be in charge. Of, you're going to be charge of Allo against Clyde in League One or something. Punish him, yeah. Punish him, yeah, yeah. Look, this is not this this is not to do conspiracy. Is uh, the reason I did learn uh, on the opposite side it was because it's just showing the difference in. In referees, uh, but they're, they're, uh, they're, Jonas is a Dundee United fan and feels the exact same way about referees, Paul. It's even if you yeah, got a, is, even if you got a Rangers fan on here, they would probably have their own version of stuff. Yeah, but this is just uh, this just an example is what I'm saying. Uh, so the first three league games at Ibrox, Rangers committed 33 fouls, uh, one yellow card. The opposition 35 fouls, 10 yellow cards issued. During Europe. Tells a different story because it's different referees. In their three games in, in Europe, Rangers committed 32 fouls, eight yellow cards, and one yellow, one one red card match. It's just showing Mark like the difference uh, in caliber of, of referee. And like I, I was like, do you remember growing up and, and your team goes to Europe, you say the European referees were kind of card happy. You know what I mean? You know that 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 they they book you for anything. Globally, but no one's seen the opposite here. Like Jesus Christ, you can't even fall to the floor or getting booked in in Scotland. No, you know. And Scotland was always seen like a big physical cloggers will yeah. beat you up the park kind of league. And 
European and then we, 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 yeah, we'd be blamed European ref for maybe a little shove or, or something like that. Do you know what I mean? And now it's the opposite. Well, we're actually complaining about the Scottish referees not giving giving city free kicks. And it's not just us. Like, Jonas has against the, in the Hibs game, Jonas, and if there was VAR, Jonas, like, those decisions would have been reversed. Yeah, know? exactly. Like, they would have been reversed. I mean... <laughs> It, it, it is, it is, it's just a frustration. I think, like, we've talked a lot about this in depth about VAR and refereeing, and I think, like what you say there about the statistics about the refereeing and that, I don't know whether there's a fear as well from certain referees or to give certain decisions at certain venues or whether it's to do yeah. with, oh, if I get demoted, I'll get my, my £1,200 or £1,100 if I'm refereeing in the SPL, but if I get bumped, if I get bumped down to Aloha against Stranraer in League One or whatever, then I'm only picking up X amount of fees and things, or is it because do they, are the two influenced by the crowd? Or there's a number of factors. Yeah. But do you I know, Brian's thinking as well. You're honest, like that. Mm-hmm. Do you know we say if the referees are looking at the game afterwards themselves? Yeah. You know, are they actually saying to themselves, "I got that wrong"? But like, if they're thinking that. They won't be making these same mistakes again, would they? Do you know what I mean? You know? Yeah, no, no, it's definitely. kind of a strange one, like, you know what I mean? And the thing, well, the thing is, we'll never know what they're thinking after the yeah. game because we don't, they're not held accountable, like what Mark said. So we'll never mm. ever know if they go back home and say, oh, I got that wrong today. You know what I mean? Uh, You'd like to think they do. But I mean, I'm not, I'm we'll not never know. I'm not meaning we really referees in front of the, like, the media and fans to get, to get slaughtered, but even no, no. Deal, deal with it behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, one of their matches ever again Aye. because he said he couldn't believe the decisions that that he was given free kicks for. It's oh. just shown like, is it down to the standards of Aye. refereeing what, See, what they're being trained or is it, you know? I, t- I, don't, yeah. I don't think it's anything wrong with their training, Paul, but I think it's something wrong with the standards that even they're, they're holding themselves to. Uh-huh. I mean, I've uh-huh. said, I've spoken about it before about about players in that having pride, professional pride and pride in their job and pride in what they're doing. If you're a referee, you're want you're want to come off that park and think and think and hundred percent believe that you got every decision right. You get, that's a, a referee's aim. Obviously they're never gonna get hundred percent of their decision right, but even when they've made mistakes, learn for them and get better and just try and be the best referee you can. And that's what yeah. another thing. We've got to see the way England does it. If you stay in a certain postcode or you support a team, you've had a season ticket for a team, you're not allowed to be involved in any games with these kind of teams. And that's the problem in Scotland because all these referees, they all come from the same party, Scotland, as I did, like Lanarkshire and Glasgow and things like that. Where's the ref- where's where referees for Aberdeen, Dundee, do you know, all these wee places? Why is there no referee? It's all this wee cliquey place that referees come from. And that's going to change. Cause it's all, that's the only way that it's going to improve. Where people becoming referees and making sure that you're no referee in a team that you, you've got any ties to. 
I mean, they're the referee, mm-hmm. that Nick Walsh. He works at the school that the, the Rangers send their players, their young players to. That's mm-hmm. it. For and me. Bobby Madden is part of a, a Rangers podcast, Mark. I see uh, him occasionally on a podcast. Aye. I mean, for, that's, yeah. a, but that's a conflict interest right away. If you're working mm-hmm. at a school, if you're working at a school where young youth players for Rangers are going to get their education and their I mean, picture, I don't know if he actually coaches their football team or what at the school, but if you're part of that system that these players are going through, you're going to have a bias there. Because see the, in, mm-hmm. the actual input of having these young Rangers players at your at your school, that raises your profile of your school. It raises your, your own profile and everything. And that's that for me, it's a co- complete contract, con- what was I saying? Conflict, complete conflict interest. Conflict interest, yeah. Aye. Mm-hmm. That's what needs to change. We need we need more young people want to be referees, but we need them for all, all over Scotland. That's the way it should be. Jeez. Jesus. Uh, that's, it, that's, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it for tonight, Jonas. If there's anything you want to add uh, before we go that we haven't discussed, uh, no, no, um, I'm just going to say thanks a lot, lads. Uh, having me on again and Mikey passes on his message as well again like I say he just couldn't get away from his work uh, he messaged me as well Jonas yeah so was just he can't get away he, he can't get he get away from his new car that's what he can't uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I still know keeping too well as well so hopefully you'll get well soon Mikey mate we're all rooting for you and just come back whenever you're ready but thanks very oh, much yeah. for coming on again Jonas you're more than welcome anytime buddy you know that yeah and like I say I look forward to being on the October review with you lads probably oh, at the end of this month yeah. again guys. We'll, have you, we'll have you on before Hopefully, then uh, we've got to do a yeah. special on Chris Boyd standing the way Chris <laughs> oh, don't get me started I'll be here till 10 o'clock <laughs> don't, get Mickey, don't get Mickey started I don't Jesus that's Christ that's I, I love my mistake one day Jonas I spoke about Chris Boyd and Jesus I never saw Mark uh, and Mickey let me all my life I will wait till, yeah. you, wait till you hear Jonas then <laughs> I think, yeah, I, think he, yeah. I think he just slipped that in there because he knew that I would get on my goat. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wait, I wait to kick the cart now. <laughs> That's it for tonight. So, folks, uh, thanks to Jonas. Thanks to uh, the live chat for joining us tonight. Uh, Mark, we'll, uh, we'll close the show. Well, thanks to you, Paul, just as usual, for everything you do to help the podcast and everything keep going. Thanks very much, Jonas, for joining us. Uh, Everybody in the live chat, thanks very much. Hope you enjoyed this. And if you can, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, and leave a comment if you can. Hail, hail, God bless. Thanks, lads. Thanks, Jonas. Good night, bud. Cheers. Bye. Pedals? This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel.